Hello and welcome to the pioneers of the Great Awakening. My name is Epifanio and today we have an amazing uh, guest uh, uh, that is taking action in the world in, in the most important thing that we could do at a physical level right now, which is uh, local elections. We have a, a very courageous woman and uh, brilliant and 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 she's she's running for city council in the city of Sedona. Her name is Jennifer Strait, and uh, she's running for uh, for the city council. Which is uh, some people might not think this is kind of important. You're always thinking about like the governor and all that stuff, but these people in the city council get a lot of little things done that are very important, and and so it's this is kind of where we. Um, what we focus on right now nationwide, the little elections in, in our communities, in our, in our counties, in our towns, we have to get our people in. And so uh, she is uh, as a researcher, researcher of transformative economics. Uh, Jennifer Strait's passion is to help transform the social integrity of the community, re-honor the sacred land, as well as tackle the economic problems plaguing the community systems design. Jennifer holds a, a bachelor's PS from DePaul University, a master's in the University of Chicago, a private pilot's license, uh, J of JF Aviation, I'm not sure what that is. And it's currently earning a doctorate in transformative economics from California Institute of Integral Studies. Her career background focused as a professional writer and reporter for the Indiana newspaper. So this is who we have running here in Sedona for city council and you have to go and vote for her, okay? You do that. and. Hi Jennifer, how are you doing? Hi, hi, how is how is how's everything going? Tell us something interesting about yourself that most people don't know about yeah, you. Thank you. Well, thank you to connect uh, with your viewers and for having me on the podcast today and opening up this conversation about how people like me and yourself and others uh, are taking action in this world. Um, so thank you for this conversation of inspiration. Um, so a little bit, uh, something out of the box about me. Since I moved to Sedona, Arizona, I become a fan of ecstatic dance and the people would never assume that from me because I never really danced before, probably because there was always like certain moves that you had to do or something, but ecstatic dance is just a roly poly get the movement going and energy and it's anything. And it's it's also been like the places that we get to do it here, like on top of a mountain overlooking the whole valley and just outdoors underneath the stars. So uh, Sedona has been really beautiful to uh, bring out this whole new side of me. That is awesome. I am an ecstatic dancer too. You know, I haven't danced in a while, but I miss it. Oh yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, it's the best. I love it. This is awesome. We're going to have to go dance. You know, you got to show me around because I haven't, I just landed here. I, I, I don't know the city or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. How, when did you come here? How long has it been? About, about three months or something. I just got mm. here. So oh, I wow. Have... So you have a lot of energy moving through you. A lot of change, movement. Woo, okay. Love it. <laughs> and I haven't danced in like two, three years since the whole, you know, chaos and craziness happened. Yeah. But um, 
tell me what's what's been your fork in the road? What made Jennifer now that you are the woman that you've become today? What was your fork in the road? The big one. Mm -hmm. Um, well, the big fork in the road to really put me on this trajectory of independence, um, following Christ, um, also being of servitude and just really having a bigger vision for life. It was in about 2019, I unfortunately got, um, beaten up and what ended up happening was I had a, a moment where I, I don't know if you believe in angels and stuff like that, or, you know, those that watch over us, but I literally, um, I called out to God and I said, Hey, if you get me through this, you know, cause I was very injured and broken bones and stuff. And I said, if you get me through this, I'll forever follow you. And it was a pivotal moment of just knowing that my steps would be guided, guided. And I literally felt, uh, angel's hands or something. I felt hands touch onto my shoulders as, as I was in my bedroom crying. And, and from that day forward, I made that commitment to just change everything about myself. And, you know, all those things that probably you or your viewers go through of that self-transformation journey, you know, does it look like reading books? Does it look like, um, you know, uh, meditation? Does it look like therapy? Does it look like hypnotherapy? Does it look like traveling around the world um, and getting really out of our box? So it really set forth this whole new journey, even running marathons around the world. I, I wanted to transform my entire body, spirit, mind, to reprogram myself and to say, okay, I'll never be in a situation like that again. And uh, what is my bigger vision? And so, you know, for me, I, how my brain works and what really makes me tick is um, I come from a background of family members that are inventors, my father included, and my grandmother had 11 children. And so our whole family, you know, we sit around the big kitchen table and we just talk about ideas and we talk about um, how to make things better, right? We're very solution oriented. And especially in a group dynamic, we also know how to like just talk um, and lift one another up. So for me, I've always been inspired with systems design, with inventing, with visionary, and falling into uh, what I'm doing right now with transformative economics. It is all about systems design. And then translate that to city council, I'm literally putting into action what I'm doing in school. And that's something that uh, is the one of the most beautiful, uh, like evolving, unfolding moments of life that we never know when we start something, where it's going to lead us. We just have to take that calling. So even when I started the doctorate program, I was like, okay, I want higher education. Let's do this. And then God said, economics. And I laughed. And I said, no, I'm a writer. I'm a pilot. I'm not economics. But um, he said, yes. And I said, okay. So I literally stayed in my apartment in San Francisco for about a year straight, just studying, didn't go out because I was getting privy into information that I'd never deep dived into before. But um, here standing today, it's like, whoa, that's why God took me on that direction. Because now he brought me into this, which how I got into city council was there was three seats that were open 
for this upcoming election in next week, August 2nd, and only two people were running. And so as God has it, he presents us with options and in free will, we get to say yes or no. And I chose, yes, I chose to serve. So in that respect, that's how I got on the journey with this decision. And it's like, I'm using everything from school and it's beautiful. And so life builds itself one layer on top of one layer. We don't know how it's unfolding, but everything is a passion. And so as they say, follow your bliss and um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, you may have already answered this. I don't know if this is because that's what you just shared was pretty heavy. Um, but, um, and also now that you've talked about your dad and he's an inventor, I might want to, you know, if he's busy, if he's interested in, in coming into the podcast, you know, oh. I love <laughs> inventors are awesome. I don't know if he'd be into it, but you know. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, um, God bless them both. Both my parents are unfortunately passed away. Oh, and, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, but they've also visited me in spirit, you know, um, so they are always nearby. I always know I have that eternal connection with them. And, uh, it's one of the reasons why I became a pilot is because when my father passed away, he at one point was a pilot for hobby and, I was in grad, I was an undergrad about to graduate. And so the next question to think about is what's the, you know, what's the next education? Is it law school? Is it MBA? What is it? And I just received a, a, a huge inspiration of, of a download to say, follow in your father's footsteps, go to, go to flight school. And I didn't know anything about it. I never thought twice about doing it. But uh, doing it a legacy has been the best thing. And now I fly in the heavens with him. And it's, it's been, I, so I got my license in uh, about 2010. So it's wow. been amazing. Yeah. So you are, you are a professional pilot? Like you fly other people to places and stuff like that? Or just, just for hobby or? Just for hobby, a private just pilot. Just for hobby. Okay, private pilot. Okay. Yeah, and got trained out of the O'Hare, Chicago O'Hare airspace. So I'm used to really busy airspace and a lot of communication and a lot of big jets that are faster than me telling me to get out of the way. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fun. That's awesome. Well, you know, we're going to have to talk, uh, have another episode when you talk about inventions and stuff like that, because that's exciting. Oh, yeah. But, uh, Maybe, like I said, maybe you might have already talked about this, but what has been, like, we're going through, and, and you know, just forgive me if it's the same one, but we go through life and our life is like a story, like the book of our lives, right? And we have like, kind of like the, the, the first act, you know, when we're children and stuff, and then we grow up and, and then we got like the second act, right? And the second act is where we actually uh, get into the story of our lives, right? Which is all about change. Literally, without change, we have no story. Otherwise, you got Transformer movies <laughs> without a story. Nobody changes in those movies. It's just Transformers, but it's on the outside, you know? Yeah. So the changes has to be on the inside. What has been your worst moment, the darkest moment of your life that, that you've really, like, fell and, and you that's where you met, you know, like, the purpose of your life? Um, you know, so it was 2009 that that happened. 
And when I told God, lead my steps, I'll follow you. What I really meant was at that time, what I meant was um, make things better for me, God. Just, just make all this go away. And what I was bypassing was the, um, the growth. I was just saying, make everything better. I'll, I'll just listen to you. It was really coming from a fear base, but it was with all the right intentions. So I started to do overhaul, like with therapy and this and focusing on myself and, you know, not being in relationships and just really focusing on myself. So it was a beautiful, huge first step. But it was six years ago that I finally surrendered to Christ. And so for that, that was a defining moment. And I call it the dark night of the soul because I looked around. I was in a beautiful high rise in Chicago, very modern, floor to ceiling windows overlooking Lake Michigan, uh, you know, where you see the fireworks every every Saturday and Wednesday. And I had a beautiful life, relationships, um, you know, my degrees on the wall, everything, you know, pictures of travels around the world and friends. I didn't feel satisfied. My inside was empty. No matter what I did on the outer world, it never changed that happiness factor. And it wasn't like, um, you know, a chemical depression where it's like a pill or something. It's like a chemical thing. It was just a spiritual void. And so uh, by telling God, okay, the one thing I hadn't done, because I had with, with my effort, I had done everything on my own to try to get out of this, but I had never done God, which means surrender, which means when you say, okay, God, lead my steps, he'll bring you on your steps. And that was a huge um, kick to the ego. It was a death to the ego because if I said, okay, I need a job, instead of giving me a job that could continue to afford that apartment, in a high rise of a modern building in downtown Michigan Avenue in Chicago. It was um, God saying, okay, um, I'll give you a waitressing job for $40 a day. How do you like that? And I'm like, no. And nothing else was coming through. And that was what was coming through. And so following Christ is he presents you with things. And that's what he's saying you need to go through. And so I had to sell everything, do everything, move around. Um, and what revealed itself was God brings us to journeys to cultivate our character. So he was saying, okay, look, you need to put the money aside right now. I know, I know you want it. You'll get it one day. Right. But I'm bringing you through the fire so that you cultivate the things that you've kind of lost connection with, you know, whether it was patience or humbleness or appreciation or gratitude or having deeper connections with coworkers, um, listening. Um, yeah, just saying thank you for the $40, right? And, um, and so through that, it's, that's why he, he brings us through everything. So uh, I've had this new newfound outlook on life because now I look at journeys as what is God teaching me here? How am I becoming a better person, Jennifer? And even with the election, it's like, okay, God, uh, is the means to an end to get into the, into the council? Maybe yes, maybe it's destiny, right? But it's always the case that he brings us through the journey. And I look back and I said, whoa, it's been five months of an amazing campaign election. And I've become bolder. I've become more visible, more vocal, um, you know, just uh, putting myself out there. And 
I was like, whoa, okay. You took me up. You up leveled me. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, throughout, throughout life, it's just constantly saying thank you and knowing that, um, our means to an end isn't always what God has for us. And we just have to be open, truly open to life. Absolutely. That's amen. That's exactly how it is. Yes. So, and the same thing, the lesson that you learned there was to surrender. That surrender. was the biggest lesson. And it's like the thing we, we think we know, right? But then, you know, we don't know. <laughs> but when we surrender, <clears throat> then we may know, we may learn. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, was, it wasn't about the money. It was, it was about something else. And so even right now, when I take a look at what's taking place around the world with the economic climate and just some people in some very precarious situations financially. And if someone is watching this right now and they're asking themselves, okay, God, please just bring in more money, more money, more money. Maybe that's not where God's not trying to bring you. He's like, no, it needs to be something else. And um, yeah, and you'll always be provided for, for sure everybody's got a different journey for sure. And, and sometimes, you know, the money is not necessarily going to help you grow and change uh, spiritually. You know, sometimes it does. Sometimes people yeah. need that for the change, but it's every situation where, where the, where the children of God. So we, every God takes care of their children one by one. They know, he knows exactly what we need. Right. Mm -hmm. So what keeps you up at night? What is. Whoo. Oh. I am, like I said, a visionary. So I love bringing people together. I love creation and ideas, artsy, fun. Um, so even developing some systems design here in Sedona, like what would a new transportation system look like? Um, what would a greenhouse look like? What would bringing music back here look like? Black party, street fest, you know, all those things. It's like, whoa, how do we have that revival? So, you know, city council to me is all about community. It's the people first. So that's fun to me because we're just coming together. Um, so that keeps me up at night to, to ask myself, okay, John, how can I create a systems design that can be implemented here in Sedona? And obviously you bring it to the people if the people want it. Uh, but so that definitely does. And then also on a very uh, larger scale, you mentioned that city council seems like a, a smaller job versus, you know, a state level or a federal level. Yet what we're finding today is this, this, this level of city council is so important because believe it or not, we're gatekeepers from the state and the federal level. And, you know, small town politics is no longer just about parks and schools and uh, traffic. It's actually, we're the gatekeepers against maybe the federal uh, laws that, uh, regulations that try to impede upon our rights. So what keeps me up at night is to ask myself, okay, how can we protect our sovereignty? How can we protect our independence? How can we protect um, uh, being able to have our constitutional rights? And, and this can stem to a lot of different things, whether a person uh, can have a right to make their own choices. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Get a vaccine, don't get a vaccine. Um, even the transportation system that's 
currently rolling out throughout the United States that I don't think people are really aware of. And I, I should actually omit the word uh, think because actually by going out and talking with a lot of residents around town, they don't know what's coming down the pipeline. And so it's really up to us to have these conversations to say, did you know that this is what the, what the federal government is enacting right now nationwide and how it will affect you? And so that really keeps me up at night because um, it's, that's the American dream. Uh, America is uh, unique. We are sovereign and we're independent. We're individualism over here. And uh, how do we keep that versus becoming too federal controlled and, and centralized or technocracy? Uh, you know, that can be too much control as well. So where is that check and balance? So I consider the check and balance of city council here as doing my part to protect us. So, yes. Absolutely. That's, I totally agree with you. This is very important that people stand up and, and, and take control back of the local community and towns and, and municipalities, because then that way you can just, you know, dodge and stop and change. And, and with this thing, with the, the transportation thing, I, I don't think people know what it's even going on. This is, no. uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Ms. Chair? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, and this surprised me as well. And that's been the unfolding of revelation throughout this whole process of the election is that the more I have to research more, the more I become enlightened about what, what is going on and therefore how does that system design affect us? So take for instance, the transportation system. The, um, the green agenda is really trying to roll out a lot of um, sustainability, a lot of, um, you know, uh, electric vehicles and so forth. And at the outset, it sounds like a very virtuistic idea. But this is where I start to see the difference between doing things uh, for the right reasons versus control or centralization. So I already came to realize that, well, first off, researching the automotive industry, for instance, and in two years time, when uh, there'll be more self-autonomous driving vehicles. So even when tourists come in, they'll land at the airport, they'll go to the Hertz or their enterprise, they'll get in there, and that autonomous vehicle will drive them into Sedona. So I started to understand how the automotive industry is rolling out. Because here we were, we were uh, the current council was making a decision on should they or should they not build a parking garage? And I was not in favor of it because it was like originally 11 million, then it went to 16, now it's up to 18 million. And I said, look, other towns and cities are repurposing their parking garage for like other, uh, other uses like um, a, green, a, a green tower to, to grow food or office space. But they're pulling away from places to park the vehicle because the autonomous vehicle is not going to need that, right? So then I also became privy to the rezoning that's taking place. And the rezoning here has already been where large shopping uh, plazas 
think your local grocery store, that big type of plaza, has already been rezoned to be multi-use. And so what that would mean is in the future, it can be turned into a park. Well, while that seems like a very wonderful idea, and I love parks, I I love the city uh, life, which is a concrete jungle, so I can move somewhere that's very nature-based. I love parks, but there's a, there's a line that's crossed when a park no longer becomes just a way to connect to nature. And now it's a means of con- a control mechanism. So if, if locals don't have a place to park their vehicle, they're forced to take the public transportation. So I, I came to realize that the transportation system here, it's this whole narrative that the city council is one through a mission, not informing the whole story. So this is where I really get um, upset about openness and transparency. Uh, you want to put out a project? Good. Put out a project, but be upfront about it. I believe in honesty. The city council is not. So they'll say, well, we want a parking structure. Okay. And they'll say, or we want the shuttle system. And at first they say, oh, it's just going to be the tourists going to the trailheads. But then it became all the residents also had to take it. And then they couldn't park at the trailheads. And then the phase two is going to be, um, all the tourists can only take the transportation system and they have to leave their cars in the, um, like a parking structure or something like that. And then phase three is all the city employees have to take the public transportation system wherever they live. They have to take it now to enter into the city. And then phase four is all the residents. And they're really pitching it as this very rose colored lens to look through of, well, wouldn't it be nice to take the city they're calling it like a micro transit, like a think of it like an Uber or something like that. Well, wouldn't it be convenient to go to all your doctor's appointments? Wouldn't it can be convenient to go to all your grocery shopping like that? And in one respect, I say, yeah, I'm from the city. I think, you know, sometimes transportation is either more cost effective or sometimes faster, like scooting around on a train in New York, faster than being up on, on street level, driving in a vehicle in the cab. So I understand from that standpoint, but that's not where we're getting to. What we're getting to is the future plan of this whole agenda rollout, which is to remove the the independence of people to no longer have a vehicle and to be entirely reliant on this system. And it goes deeper than that because take for instance, um, when people purchase their vehicle, they do it as a financial decision. So let's say somebody says, hey, I just bought my vehicle. It's $8,000. I was able to pay it off. So now it's yours for as long as you can maintain it. Well, in the future, that's not going to be the case. In the future, if you want to go somewhere, you have to be on that public transportation system, and you're always having to pay into it. So it gives the whole, it, it upends the American dream of working hard saving and owning things. And now they're yours to take care of and do as you please to now work, having to work for the rest of your life. That totally transforms even the quality of life. It totally transforms um, who is in the driver's seat, no pun intended, with um, control. You know, do you have control over your money? Do you have control over your assets? Or is it now in the federal government's hand? So we're seeing this shift in power and there needs to be more checks and balances. And as small as we are as a town city council, no matter 
where a town city council is around the country, it's important. You need to be that, that, that check and balance to really start uh, waking up to what's going on, to making sure that that infrastructure does not come into your city's design plan and start rezoning and start um, making all these large structural changes that once they're in there are very hard to undo. So that's what keeps me up at night is to say, well, how do we, um, how do we make sure that this doesn't happen? Because there's a lot going on and people are not aware. And that's why I appreciate these types of conversations because this is just, this is how we get it out there. So thank you. Absolutely. This is priority right now because this is exactly add on top of that the social credit system that they want to do with, uh, you know, crypto and, 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 you know, everything digitized. And, you know, next thing you know, if you don't, if you, if you're not allowed to go leave the city, then, then, then the thing doesn't work. And so it's like, you know, it goes down, yeah. downhill, you know? So yeah, it's amazing that you're here standing guard. We're, we're going to get this thing as far as possible. Yeah, it, it reach it's everywhere. In, it's interesting that you bring that up because it's not it's not conspiracy theory. It's take a look at China. People cannot get to work if they don't have that vaccine card or if their social credit score is not that way or if they are vaccinated and they have tested negative, however, their phone GPS says that they've come into distant contact with someone that has been tested positive, then now they red flag you as in the yellow, right? It's, it's alarming. It's alarming. And it really is up to us to stand up for our constitutional rights and to really get involved. Absolutely, absolutely. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. So on that kind of like, on that kind of same, um, you know, kind of wave, but on the upper side, what is your vision for humanity's future? Like, like, like okay, we clean this crap, we make sure it doesn't happen. And now, you know, what is your vision? Thank you. So. When I take a look at even the city council's budget, all the decisions that are made are how do we spend money? How, 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 and that's the whole, everything is how do we spend money, spend money versus how do we regenerative practices? So I, I really support regenerative economics. Um, you know, I'm in favor of, you know, right now with capitalism, so much of the business is focused around obsolescence. And, you know, how do we make a product and it's going to be obsolete in a year's time? And it just forces the whole world's um, system to constantly be consuming, producing, extracting resources versus, okay, how might we be able to be regenerative, but make money? Well, in one respect, if you think, if you realize that sometimes a degrowth economic model is how you make money. So if you're always in production mode, well, production has its expenses. Well, you ramp that down, then you ramp down the expenses. You may find that at the end, your, your balance is actually higher than if you just kept with this runaway production mode, right? So even with uh, regenerative economics, I've brought it to the tension as an option here in Sedona to open up a second industry for a food greenhouse. 
there's been a large concern. We are a tourist centered town. And so maybe some of your viewers are also in towns that are tourist centered, where a lot of the economy is driven by tourism. The issue with that right now is that it's cyclical. Traditionally, there's always been the high season and low season. But now what we're seeing is there's an economic downturn. And we, we've already seen it here in Sedona. There's less Airbnb rentals. There's restaurants are closing down to, a few days a week to only open up on the very popular days because it just costs them too money to stay open every day. And in this respect, I just look at the, ba- I, I look at the budget to say, how do we diversify ourselves? We need a diversified portfolio, something else to fall back on so that we're not so reliant on just one egg in the basket. And for me, I, I look at, well, what would never be cyclical? Food. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it's not going anywhere. And, and so in that respect, when I research what other towns and cities are doing around the country and the world, I see that these greenhouses end up making so much food that they become a food exporter. In turn, they become a food industry. And you know these, these also become tourist attractions because people are very interested to see whoa, what are these sustainable practices or that you could do fun things with it, especially if it's an atrium that you kind of walk through. Uh, There's water fountains and stuff like that. There's even some that have like boat, uh, you know, canoes that you kind of like paddle around the inside. And so it becomes activity or there's some that you have cooking classes or somewhere you take like the colored flowers that are growing there and you, you crush them down to make uh, you know, a beautiful colored palette of pat- water pastel colors to paint. So the, the types of interactions that you could do and provide for the locals as well as tourists are very, very expansive and inter- uh, infinite. But then we also take a look at true sustainability. So yeah, the green agenda, it, it says the word sustainability, but they're not including these type of practices. And so I call them out on it. I say, hey, if you really want to be truly mindful and sustainable, you don't want to be trucking in your food hundreds of miles, thousands across, even across countries, right? Different countries, oceans. We're talking a huge carbon footprint. So to see the future, it's going to definitely be a future where around the world, there'll be more greenhouses. And it's really the locals standing up to say, we, we need to start making this change of system. And also when we talk about the greenhouse gases, over 50% arrives from the traditional industrial agriculture production because how the soil is just turned and, 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 and cultivated, it releases all that into the air. And so if we, and then also it's a lot, uses a lot of water. So by shifting to a more sustainable practice, a greenhouse, so it's not affected by the climate. It also uses 70% less water. Okay. We're also getting into water rights right now with um, everything that's going on with the climate. And, and then we're also protecting less gases that get released because it's now in the greenhouse and it's, it's just done differently. So Again, I, I just, um, I keep presenting these ideas and letting them sink in. And there's a lot of people here in Sedona because we're very high mind, high vibe in consciousness. And then there's some other people that just, um, they're not privy. And so I do see it as an opportunity to have these conversations, plant the seed, no pun intended. And, <laughs> um, and yeah, and just keep driving that conversation forward.
Absolutely. This is mm. beautiful. This is beautiful. And I would like to know a little bit more about the water, but I think we're going to have to do one, uh, another set, another okay. episode and talk about the water because I think that's going to be a really good one. Oh, yeah. But tell me, what are you, uh, other than, you know, uh, running for office right now, your main thing, and kind of like maybe, let me guess, because kind of what I'm thinking, what are you doing right now to contribute to building this vision? Obviously running for, for office and surrendering to God. Am I right? Did I get mm -hmm. that right? Um, well, which vision are you? Uh, the one you just mentioned, you know, oh, about your, the your vision for the future of humanity, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this is just a little one because I'm, I'm, I'm seeing your mind and you got like a whole thing going on here. This is just, this is just kind of like the tip of the iceberg I'm kind of getting from you here, which is great, which is great. It's really exciting. But um, so um, right now in this moment, this is, I think this is the most important thing is really run for office and start actually, you know, at least if, if not getting to change all this stuff, at least get keep all the bad, really heavy stuff that's that they're trying to push right now. People don't even know. Educate people, obviously very important, right? And most important at this point, what do you think we can do to inspire unity among the different groups in the truth movement, you know, different religions, different, you know, social stratas. And because this is the most important right now, we want truth, we want freedom. And yeah, we have a different ways of going about our other things, but how can we unite? What do you think that, how can that be done? Whew. Well, a lot of things do revolve around food. So just by creating a greenhouse, it brings people together. And then you also have abundance because things just keep flourishing so much. In turn, what that does is it creates more opportunities to come together. So if we, if we stay in the paradigm that we're in, where we have to go into the grocery store, pay for those fruits and vegetables and herbs and, and grains, and then we can do a, a group party and come together like a potluck or something or just dinners, uh, the budget may only allow for so many gatherings, right? Maybe it's just once a month, everyone can come together. Maybe it's two times a month. But if, if there is a greenhouse that is just always flourishing and then it allows people to, every night people can come together. And there's something that's very fascinating uh, from a scientific, scientific standpoint that addicts, one of the reasons why an addict uh, goes to their choice of addiction, whether it's, you know, drugs or alcohol, for instance, it creates certain uh, releases of chemicals in the brain. And that's what they drive towards. Well, you know, to, to make them quote unquote happy. So it, it affects their dopamine and affects their serotonin. And so they keep striving for that. Well, when people get together, just coming together in a community setting is healing because it, uh, it activates those same parts of the brain of the serotonin, and the dopamine that an addict keeps striving for with those destructive elements. And so it's to say, we literally heal when we come together. And that to me is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It's so true. It's so true. That's what people need. People need family. 
ethnic mm-hmm. connections, and that is what the you know subversion and 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 communism really starts strives to take away. You know, like separate people and 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 you know all of that we've experienced in the last few years. You know, it's it's been. Um, people by themselves uh, in front of the computer and I mean I'm, we're doing the computer now but you know it's like at least we can go out and now here thank god for Arizona but it's been awful people agree huge amount of suicides the children haven't grown and, and they have uh, delayed their developmental it's been horrifying and so absolutely I totally I totally see you know it's 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 very, very basic phys- physical stuff, you know. How do people get together? They get together to eat. Mm-hmm. That's it. And if you can turn a little bit of that into a, a, an attraction from the touristic angle, then you got the whole Verde Valley here. I mean, maybe kind of like a connection between that and Sedona. There's a lot of that going on because uh, I'm thinking about the water, right? Because that's the big thing. But at the same time, if you can, can do it like underground and have domes on top of it with specific, you know, kind of like, I don't know how, I'm not the gardener, but I know a little bit like kind of like cheesecloths or something that they're kind of like some sort of ways of filtering too much sun. I totally see that. So what's your favorite quote, Jennifer? Yes, yeah, so uh, I love Buckminster Fuller. And you probably heard it, but you know you can't change a system with the same type of thinking that created it. So it that really motivates me when I think about stepping into office uh, come next week and just really knowing that it's less about continuing to do the same thing and more about really opening that conversation to say, okay, well, it's been done this way forever. We can do it differently, even so much as the town hall meetings, you know, currently the residents uh, don't feel heard and the typical format that is a public forum is residents can go in to these, you know, evening meetings, they typically last four hours and each resident gets three minutes at the podium and the microphone to speak and give their one complaint or two suggestion that's really limited. So it's to say, well, what would it look like if we upended that old, old way of doing things that's always been done and did it differently? Uh, uh, rent out the gymnasium at the high school, bring out uh, card tables. Everyone has round tables, come up with ideas, put a microphone, everyone goes up. Think tank. What about that? Where now it's like, these, uh, you know, think tank wars where, hey, we want to figure out the transportation system. Everyone pot up, come up with your idea and how you think it should look, how it would benefit the maximum of people here, how it would generate money and uh, all those intricacies. And then we all vote on it. I mean, things can be done differently. And so for me, I just have a very youthful outlook on change. I have a very youthful outlook on resiliency and maybe it's our generation that we just want things done differently, easily, easily, also together. We want it fun. And we believe that it can, systems can change. So uh, to me, it seems very inevitable. And it seems very uh, like the next logical step. Instead of just repeating how things have always been done. Um, so bringing in a whole fresh, fresh 
attitude and perspective, that's what I'm looking forward to. Absolutely. This is exactly the same kind of underground concept for this podcast. You know, you do not struggle to fix the old paradigm. You, you create a completely new paradigm, new model that makes the old one obsolete, like Mr. Buckminster Fuller used to say. So what does people need to do uh, to vote for you? Tell us everything. When is this happening? Uh, contact, everything. Just We need to put you there. How, how do we do that? Yeah, thank you. So here in Sedona, it is next Tuesday, August 2nd, at the Elks Lodge, right off 89A and Airport Road. And it is from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. is the election time for the booth. And what else is, is just going to be city council or what else? What other there, positions are? There are three seats for the council and one for mayoral. So we mayor. have a huge opportunity to uh, turn the majority of council because there's, there's always seven that sit on it. So getting four new people, fresh blood on the city council, there is a lot of um, opportunity for these next four years of having true transformation and change. So who do you endorse for the other positions and the mayor, if, if you feel comfortable? Yes, I definitely that. feel comfortable endorsing the mayor uh, position for Samira Armstrong. Yes, she is a longtime resident who grew up here. She's also a mother of a nine-year-old. So she definitely believes in community. She definitely believes in, uh, you know, how can we come together and also making sure that the future generation for her son is really provided for and constitutional rights and also honoring the sacred land instead of, you know, she also feels the pain of Mama Sedona be, be turning into a concrete jungle. And so she's really an advocate for being a steward of the land, much like myself. So I definitely... Um, compel people to look into her uh, more. I believe it's uh, samiraformayor.com. Uh, and my, my website is jenniferforsedona.com. How do you spell Jennifer so people can know that? J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R. For Sedona, jenniferforsedona.com. Yes. It's been amazing having you here with us. <clears throat> Jennifer, thank you so much for showing up for the podcast. This is the kind of people that we love and we're so excited. And, and, and it's like, this is, it's happening. There are people out there standing up and with a, you know, with a feet on the ground and the heart on spirit connected, right? So we, these are the right people for the future, people that are cohesive and, and at the same time, they're, 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 they have had that whole journey of inner cleansing through their dark night so that they can come at the other side and really get the job done and not get in the way. Because that's what we've had for so long, people with a huge me, 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 me. It's not about, it's about how can we help? How can we help grow? How can we, how can we create a new paradigm? instead of just recycling mm -hmm. the same old news, right? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to say anything else uh, to our people here, Jennifer? <clears throat> I want to say thank you. And I want to say to everyone that's watching, keep striving for that vision that's in your heart 
God puts a vision into each of us. And that's our calling to continue moving that forward. And together, we all have a part to play in this tapestry. We're all doing a part and every one of us leading with love is truly how those parts get strengthened. Um, that's the connective tissue, that connective glue is the love part. So whatever you're going through, go through it with love. Even if it's a tough time, a sad time, difficult time, economic time, um, go through it with love and keep opening up your heart. Keep turning to um, your higher self, your higher source, and um, keep leaning onto those around you. You know, we're a social species, so we're meant to connect and to feel into these journeys together. Um, so yeah, it's, I inspire everyone to just not giving up, not giving up. We need you. We need all those ideas that only you came here with. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It's been beautiful having you at the pioneers of the great awakening. Thank you so much. And we'll, we'll probably figure out sometime oh, yeah. and come back and we can talk about water. Yes, <clears throat> That's absolutely. Very important. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Jennifer. Bye-bye. <clears throat>